Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Purcell. And I'm Timothy Plain. Each week we discuss filmmaking topics and give you our point of view on them. Not as experts, but just as two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. So, this week we have a special guest, um, just like every week it seems these days, but local Simsco Bay Area actor Jackie Dallas is on the show with us today. Welcome, Jackie. Hey. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Are guests still special if we have a guest every week? I don't know. I think so. Yeah, I resent that. (laughs) I think very special guests. Yes, yes. Yes. And each one is more special than the last. It's just funny, Jackie. Every time he introduces a guest, he always says very special guests. So you tell me, which one of us just insulted you more? Uh, No one insulted anyone, period. That's what I think. Um, But yeah, I met Jackie on an audition like... A year ago maybe a little bit more than a year ago it was like for a movie it was like a feature film that i was producing it was like really exciting for me to like have this opportunity to produce this feature film and then the money fell apart after our audition all the audition that we did and um it didn't happen <laughs> uh but i remember jackie from her audition and she did a really good job and so i was like oh, okay yeah i want to like <laughs> work with her in the future so she's like on my list of people to like think about for casting stuff and then oh, i was like thank you yeah and then thank you so much of course and then i saw that you were like doing some stuff and like maybe producing something and you've been in a lot of stuff lately and i was like wow wow i'm really interested to talk to you about like your life as an actor and how you're making it happen in the bay area because so often like you know um actors especially will like get really good and then they'll just move to LA you know (laughs) and um yeah I mean you're still here right you're still in the Bay Area yeah I'm still based out of the Bay Area um I do travel quite frequently so I'm always in LA also um but I'm my home base is here in San Francisco area that's awesome um and uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, so no one knows anything about you. Um, I, I mean, I actually don't really know that much about your your background and everything. Um, yeah, I know nothing. I'm you're very, very special yeah. now. Who are you again? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, exactly. Hey, See, Jackie, this is what I'm talking about. I get it. I woke up for this. Come on, guys. <laughs> well, just just give us your one minute bio. Like, how yeah, did you get started? Sure. Where are you from? All that stuff. Okay, so um, so yeah, I'm Jackie Dallas. I'm a full-time actress. I'm based out of the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I've been here for about three years now. Previous to being an actor, I actually I went to medical school and I was a doctor for a period of time. And um, you know, through a series of events, decided I did not want to do that anymore. So decided to quit my job, move to California, and pursue my original passion, which was acting. When I was, wait, wait, I'm going to yeah. interrupt you for a second. When you yeah. say original passion, like, um, when did you decide that you liked acting and wanted to be an actress? When I was little, <laughs> I was, How I was little? like that child that was like totally a camera hog, you know, I was total <laughs> cam ham. Um, when I was like in elementary, I mean, I grew up in a small town in Florida, um, just, you know, beach boonies basically. It's gotten a little bit more touristy since I've left home, but my childhood was very, very boring. And we basically, like, the only thing to do was, like, get into trouble or hang out at, like, the local bowling alley or at the local community theater. (laughs) So I opted for that option. Um, So, yeah, growing up, like, as a, you know, middle school, high school, I mean, I did my share of drama club, theater club, you know, um, 
acting competitions and stuff like that. And then I did community theater. I did children's theater, the local black box theater. So I always loved performing. I always loved acting. Um, and how come you didn't pursue it as a career to begin with and you went the doctor route? Uh, do you know any other Asians? <laughs> <laughs> okay, enough said. So, yeah, I just kind of, you know, got coerced into a certain direction. Um, you know, when I was little, I was like, when I was in high school, I'd be like, oh, mom, I'm going to, I'm going to go to NYU. I'm going to go to film school. And she just kind of, you know, pat me on the head and be like, oh, okay, there, there, dear. Let's, let's go to, go study, go study. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I kind of, I kind of got steered into that direction and, you know, did the whole pre-med route and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad as a student. Like, you know, I had a knack for it and, um, it wasn't until, I mean, I, I stopped acting and stuff cause just cause of time restraints, like I didn't have time for it anymore. And I kind of grew up, became responsible and like, you know, figured that this was just a dream that kids have, but once I actually got into the, like the workforce of it, like actually in the hospitals and stuff, I realized that, you know, people become, people go into certain fields for very altruistic and naive reasons, you know, like, oh, I want to save the world. I want to help people. But to be honest, like the politics and the bureaucracy and the administrative like bullcrap that you have to deal with is on such a different level. Um, Same thing could be said about the film business. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> now that I'm working in this industry, I'm like, wow, this is a lot more stressful than I thought, too. <laughs> right. Grass is always greener, Jackie. But I feel that if there is something that you really enjoy doing and that you really have a passion for it, you're willing to work through the bad days. You know, you're willing to put in the time and the effort and the work and go through all of the, you know, not so like enjoyable elements of whatever that industry has. Um, but if you don't like something, then I mean, just breathing is hard, you know? <laughs> so that's what you were kind of feeling at that time before you made the transition into acting. Yeah, gradually, slowly, but surely, I just started realizing that I had made a mistake. Um, and there are, you know, I've met wonderful people along the way who've completed that path. Um, you know, that career path and trajectory. And they're wonderful people. They're amazing. The world needs people like them. <laughs> but it just wasn't for me. You know, it was, they were, it was too many hours. Um, it was, I don't know. It just, I don't want to make it sound like I'm lazy, but it was, it was more work than I wanted to do for something that I didn't feel as passionate about. Yeah. I, I, th I think what you said about like, if you're in an industry that you're really passionate about, you're going to kind of suffer through whatever it is because you just really like it. Like Ulrich and I are working on this project right now and I'm putting in like 16 hour days, you know, five days a week, but it's, it's doesn't feel as much of a chore because it's fun. Oh, We're definitely. Fun doing it, you know? Yeah, definitely. So did you have to come out to your mom and say, I'm an, I'm an actress now? <laughs> come out. <Yeah. laughs> I love how you phrased <laughs> that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sit her it's, down and like, mom, so I, have, accurate, actually. I have to tell um, you something. <laughs> I have and I've always been an actress. Yeah. <laughs> Ta-da, jazz fingers. <laughs> um, I, yes. So that was, that was definitely a conversation I was not looking forward to, but um at the end of the day, as much as parents want to guide you this way or that way because they think something is the best for you, everything comes from a place of love and support. And at the end of the day, I think that all parents, all they want is for you to be happy. 
And they saw <laughs> over the course of several years that I was just not happy, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and when I, you're I, really young, I'm sure they're just like, she doesn't know what she wants. I'm going to put her right. in a place where she's going to be happy. And then right. once you get there, then... She'll thank me for it later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I even, I mean, I even tried changing specialties, um, you know, different fields, different cities. I moved from New York. I went to Chicago. Um, and it was fine. It was, it was, you know, I'm not saying I hated every moment of the day. It just, it didn't like, you know, I didn't wake up in the morning, like jumping out of bed, like, this is awesome, you know? So, so. Talk, talk to us about that transition. Like I asked you about coming out to your mom, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, mm-hmm. I guess, like uh, to me, there's going to be some steps that happen, like to transition from working in the medical field to being an actress like were you still in florida florida at the time then you decided you'd move out to california and where did you go like how um, how did all these the events take place to get you out here yeah so i I bounced around a lot as far as locations of where i lived goes um i was born and raised well i was raised in florida i was born in new york i was raised in florida when i was like four or five so um my entire childhood was in florida graduated from the university of florida go gators and then moved to the islands. Um, I lived in the Caribbean for a couple of years because I'm the type of person that likes to delay adult responsibility as long as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you fit in San Francisco really well. (laughs) So then when it was time to like face reality again, uh, moved to Miami for a couple of years, loved the city life of it. Um, because Miami is the biggest city that we have in Florida. And then, decided I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go for it and like move to New York, New York City. And, uh, you know, did my medical, um, did a lot of training there. Did my first uh, year of residency up there. So I was doing uh, general surgery at Mount Sinai Hospital, which was really, really intense for a lot of reasons. One, it's surgery. And then two, it's New York. So everyone there is just like working so, so hard and so much. Um, and I loved living there as far as the city goes, but working in that environment was really, really stressful. So then I transitioned over to pathology in Chicago, which was a lot easier. Um, pathology is like, there's two parts of pathology. There's like looking at little biopsies and, um, you know, little bits and pieces that the doctor sends you to find out like, is this cancer? Is this not cancer? You know, microscope kind of work, which is really, really Uh easy, but boring, not easy, but like not strenuous. You know what I mean? Technical. It's technical. Exactly. But I'm not like running around like between six different floors of the hospital, like trying not to let people die. And then the other side of pathology is forensics, which that was what I was really interested in. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but (laughs) I thought that was really cool. (laughs) And, um, you know, I was probably a little influenced by, you know, shows on TV, procedural shows and stuff, but did that for another two years and realized that as interesting as it was, I don't know if that was something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, once again, going along with the whole, I tend to just kind of jump into things. I did forensics in Chicago, South side Chicago, which in hindsight was probably not the like best place to start. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just kind of like over the course of the two years that I was in Chicago, I, my, my thought process was very like, you know, I tried this, I didn't like it. I'm trying this. I still don't, you know, I still don't see myself doing this for the rest of my life. What else is there that I could do? So 
When I was in Chicago, because my schedule was a lot more lax, I started getting back into acting part-time, you know, like evenings, weekends. Um, doing what kind of, of stuff? Were you, were you doing film or stage? Uh, mostly film. I didn't have time for stage, unfortunately, just because of the time commitments that you need for rehearsals and everything. And I just couldn't commit myself to that while, you know, juggling um, a pathology residency. So I did, <clears throat> I found a couple of... Um, like indie filmmakers out there, did a couple of shorts. Um, I did one feature film called Not Another Zombie Movie. Um, and I'd say that was, <laughs> I'm going to say that was my big break. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Because it, uh, it was like one of the main characters. And, you know, like every zombie movie has like, the, you know, every spoof has like, um, you know, the pregnant woman that's in like the zombie movie, like Dawn of the Dead. There's always like the cliche pregnant uh-huh. person. So I got to play a pregnant woman um, <laughs> romping around Chicago with like this fake belly on, <laughs> eating fried chicken wings. And <laughs> just it was kind of awesome. Um, so I did that. And then I did a lot of background work for like, you know, the Chicago series, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD. Um, so I kind of got a glimpse into the world of like Hollywood you know, and then being on Not Another Zombie Movie, I like kind of rekindled that passion again. I was like, wow, this is what I love doing. Like, I'm exhausted after working a 40 hour week, but I'm still going to come out here at 6am and film for 16 hours. And then, you know, like, it's like you were saying, if you like doing what you do, like you don't notice the time as much, you know? Yeah, you're willing to put the time in. Yeah. So then after I did that film, I kind of, you know, I auditioned for a few other things here and there. And I was like, you know, I think this is what I'm going to do. I really think this is what I'm going to do. And then the opportunity presented itself for me to um, make a choice. I came to a, a fork in the road, so to speak. Um, I don't talk a whole lot about my personal life, but my husband, I'm married. My husband was supposed to get a job in Chicago, but he ended up being really smart and getting a job at Stanford. <laughs> oh, nice. Fancy. I know. I'm so proud of him. But, you know, that's one of those jobs you can't really turn down. So we came to a decision and I said, you know what? Move to California and I will meet you there. And so that's kind of when I decided that this was a sign time to quit medicine, transition to California. And instead of, you know, trying to start over, you know, whatever, I have to start over regardless, right? I'm moving to a brand new place. Um, I'm just going to try out acting for a year or two, see how it works out. If it doesn't, I've always got a degree to fall back on, Yeah, you know? Pretty so, good degree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, great so I was like, I was like, I've got a contingent plan. I've got a backup plan, you know? So, um, so that's what that's what happened. And then I told my program that I was leaving. And they tried really hard to get me to stay, but my mind was made up. And then I told my parents and they were shockingly supportive. Like I said, <laughs> you know, yeah, like I said, they were they knew how unhappy I was. They knew I had tried multiple different avenues. Um, mm-hmm. And I was telling them that I was like doing this, you know, these movies and stuff. And you know, their, their attitude kind of transitioned to like, okay, as long as it doesn't take up too much of your time. But then they saw, even though I was, you know, working more, so to speak, more hours and like less sleep and, you know, all that, they saw that I was actually happier and <laughs> just yeah. having a creative outlet on the weekends, you know? So 
when we came down to it, they were like, okay, as long as you know what you're doing. <laughs> and how long have you been in the Bay Area for now? So I've been here for three years now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's going well? It's going, I'd say it's going well, yeah. Um, yeah. I feel really fortunate in a lot of ways that I came here first instead of L.A. Um, yeah, I want to hear <clears> this. <laughs> no, so L.A. is, you know, everyone hears about like, oh, I'm moving to L.A., I'm moving to Hollywood. But having now kind of trekked back and forth a few times, L.A. is a very, very tough city to break out in. Um you have a lot of work, yes, but you have a lot of actors. You know, you have so many actors. It outnumbers the jobs. Like, your ratio of, like, getting cast is ridiculously low. Um, I know, like, whenever I go into an audition room in L.A., I sit there and I look around and I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's, like, 50 other Asian females between the age of 25 and 35 in here. You know, we all look exactly the same. <laughs> right. But Whereas, doesn't that push you to do a better job? It does push you. I mean, it does motivate you on the inside, but there's only so much you can do on, you know, like you have to get let in the door at some point. You have to be given the opportunities. Um, and the thing is in LA, if you are arriving with no experience, you know, if you have nothing to show for like what you do and what your skill set is, um, it's really hard to get in the door. Because there's so many other actors there that are already established, that are already five steps ahead of you. Um, and so when the casting director's time, you know, I mean, you guys have casted things too. When time is an issue or, you know, when you only have so many slots that you can offer to, you know, people to audition for, a lot of times you're going to go with the people that either have something on their resume to say, okay, I don't know them, but they look like they could do well. Or you're going to go with people that you already know. So it's very rare that a newbie gets offered to come in for something that can really like, you know, propel your career forward. And so that's why it takes so long. I talk to people in LA and they're just like, you know, they're, they're, they're excited to get, you know, one or two jobs a month. And here in the Bay area, I mean, I'm working at least one or two jobs a week, <laughs> you know? So, and then and what kind of jobs are those that you're working um, on a weekly basis? Just curious. So, I mean, I do anything just because I, I am a full-time actor. So, you know, I consider, you know, the lesser glamorous things. I just consider that, you know, the lesser glamorous elements of working. So I'll do anything from background work, industrial work, commercial work, short films, passion projects, feature films when I get the chance. Um, pretty much anything that is presented to me that I think is a worthwhile project. Um yeah, and there's plenty of work here in the Bay. I'd say one of the big differences between here and L.A. is that L.A. is known for, like, their TV and their film, you know, like, all of that stuff, which we don't have a whole lot of. However, we do have a ton of commercials and a ton of industrials that film up here. Um, and because the pool of actors is so much smaller, you know, we, we all work a lot more frequently, um, especially if you are a, you know, full-time actor without schedule conflicts and have a body of experience already and, you know, a good reputation. <laughs> That's awesome. You're talking about you, right? <laughs> well, there's a lot of people that I, I, well, let me put it this way. I mean, I run into the same faces over and over and over again, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
And when you meet new people, you're kind of like, oh, wow, I don't know you. Like, I haven't met you before. They're like, oh, I just started. It's like, that's awesome. You're like, you welcome know? to the community. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's another thing about San Francisco that I love. We're really, really like community based, you know, we're very collaborative. We, we help each other out. We, you know, tell each other advice and tidbits and, you know, we, we have a very supportive, um, circle mm-hmm. here. I feel like a lot of LA, while once you get into a circle, they can be very supportive. Um, being the newcomer, it's very intimidating. Mm. Are you going down to LA often to audition? It varies, but yeah, I'd say I go down there pretty frequently. Um, anywhere from one to four times a month. Are you driving or flying? Um, it depends. Depends on okay. my time constraints. Driving is cheaper, which helps. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but then if I just if like if I have to be here in the morning and then in LA by the afternoon, I'll fly. Hmm. And then um, I guess the obvious answer to this question is like, well, because you know, why haven't you moved to LA yet? Like, why are you still here in the end? And I guess it's because of your you know your situation, right? Like, your your husband has a job in Stanford and like is keeping you here, or is it because you actually just think that this is a better place for you to work out of? Um, y- yes, no, and both. Um, <laughs> so when when he signed on the contract to be here, he was going to be here for a total of six years. Um, that's how long his residency training is. So we knew we were going to be here for for about six years. Um, and the the first two, three years that I was here, I started realizing that, like I said before, it's fortunate that I ended up here first. It gives me an opportunity to develop a body of experience, um, you know, get materials for my reels, get multiple materials for multiple reels, um, really work on my craft, work on the art of it, and just kind of get my bearings as to like, What's my type? What am I good at? How can I market myself better? So I'm taking the opportunity here in San Francisco to really fine tune those things. Um, I feel that I don't want to move to LA until I am SAG, first of all. Currently, I'm a must join. Um, but here in the Bay Area, it's it's a much more, what is it? What is the word I'm looking for? It's much easier to be non-union here in the Bay just because the bulk of our work here is non-union. Right, um, yeah. And once you join, obviously, you can't do union things. So I don't want to I think move... SAG's pretty forgiving in the Bay Area like it for, is. Doing, for doing yeah. non-union work because, yeah, not, not as much union work here. It's not as much. I mean, technically, the way you should go about that is become FICOR um, mm. as opposed to just doing non-union work under the table. But, I mean, <laughs> it is the Bay Area. It is what it is. Um, you know, actors do what they got to do to survive. So, um, I'm, I'm yeah. curious because mm-hmm. so we're casting this thing right now and it's kind of come up a little bit about because it's a union job and mm-hmm. we need our actors to be union. But most of the actors that we ended up going with are non-union because we mm-hmm. wanted like real looking people for this thing. Sure. Anyways, like I'm trying to understand this whole join, the must join sort of thing like what does that really mean like do you actually have to join the union or does it mean that you're like no this is is a great question and there's a lot of confusion about this um so you can become sag eligible one of two ways one you can get a principal speaking role in a union film 
This is not counting student films, does not count short films, and does not count the ultra-low-budget SAG movies. It has to be low-budget, modified, low-budget, modified, low-budget, or a full feature, full-budget feature. If you get a principal speaking role in that, um, you can become SAG eligible. The other way, the more common way, is that you get three vouchers. You get these three, like, Taft-Hartley vouchers. And um, you get that by doing background on a union production, but they give you a union voucher instead of a non-union voucher. And there's a couple reasons why they might do that. Um, but anyways, so once you become SAG eligible, then you're just eligible. And that's great. That's a great place to be because as an actor at that point, you can still do non-union because you're technically not union, but now you can audition for SAG projects. In LA, I feel like here in the Bay, everything's a little different. It's a little fuzzy, but in LA, a casting director for any of these, you know, TV shows or Hollywood films, they will not audition you unless you are at the very least SAG eligible. Um, the exceptions being if they're looking for a really random skill, talent, or look. Right. So, Which is like, it's a weird thing. Like catch 22 because to get onto a union production, you have to be a union actor, but to get your union status, you have to be hired on a union production. Exactly. And you're like, what? That's so why it's, <laughs> it's very tricky. It makes it really, really hard. <laughs> I've, I've heard like statistics saying like, the average LA actor, it takes them about eight years just to become SAG eligible. And that's a lot of years to be doing background work if you think about it, you know, because that's the most common way that people become SAG. So here in the Bay, I mean, it's much shorter. I mean, I became eligible, I want to say within two, less than two years of being up here. And, and what was that just because you got uh, three vouchers? Yeah, correct. I got three vouchers. Um, and like I said, it's because the, the pool of actors is much smaller here. So yeah, just to um, elaborate on that, the reason is is that whenever a, a Hollywood, um, I say Hollywood, whenever a big SAG production comes um, into, you know, into an area, they have to cast a minimum of, like in order to protect the union actors and like make sure that there's enough work to go around, there's a number, I think it's like, it's like 48 or 52, something around there. But every production has to have 48 or 52 actors. They have to, the background actors have to be union. If you need more than that number of background actors, you can start hiring non-union at that point. Uh, so that's right. why you'll like, see like... Yeah, I, you're right. It's between 40 and 60. Yeah, I don't know yeah. the exact number. Um, but that's why you'll see like when it's non-union background casting is for these like ginormous cattle calls, right? Like <laughs> San Andreas, there's a disaster. We need a hundred people to run down the street screaming. Right, um, right. <laughs> but if it's like a smaller scene, like a small intimate, like cafe scene or something, a lot of the times we never see those as non-unions because those are just, they directly go to SAG because they need to fulfill their 52. Otherwise the production gets penalized. Um, here in the Bay, we don't have that many strictly union actors because, you know, like you said, um, there's not a whole lot of union work out here. So once they become union, they move to L.A. or they're FICOR. Um, but, yeah, there's not so many. I think there's like 200 in the entire Bay Area, <laughs> something like that. So once these movies um, and then based on availability and that 
that doesn't even say if the actor is still working. They could be SAG and they're just not, not even working. You know, anymore. not working. They've got a day job or something. Um, if for whatever reason the production cannot fill that minimum requirement of SAG actors, but they still need background actors, their last resort is to hire union or non-union background actors and give them the SAG voucher to fulfill their SAG voucher quota, if that makes sense. So that's why it's so easy for you to get these vouchers here in, um, in the Bay. Now, back to the original question. Sorry, I'm like bouncing around. No, that's um, good. Once you become eligible, like I said, it's a great place to be. You can do both sides. The moment you get your next SAG job, it triggers what's called an OK30. And what the OK30 means is you have 30 days to kind of test out SAG without any obligation. So you can take that job, you can take that SAG job, and for the next 30 days, you can take as many SAG jobs as you want, um, whether it be auditioning for principal things and getting cast in it, or just doing background work or commercial work, because there's SAG commercials also. Um, and I guess that's the third way that a lot of people become SAG here in the Bay Area is for commercial work also. Well, but, I have a whole bunch of questions, but one yeah. is, well, so you're SAG eligible. Mm -hmm. um, why haven't you joined? Is it just because you don't want to limit yourself from non-union work? Um, there is an element of that, but also I want to join SAG with as many SAG credits as possible. So when I, when I jump into that, that pool of actors, of SAG actors that are all, I'm going to just say like for the majority of them, they're much more experienced than I am because they're SAG. They've probably got a couple of co-stars. They've got a couple of guest stars, maybe one or two series regulars. Like this is the pool of actors that I'm now going to be competing with once I join SAG. I don't want to join because I got excited about one credit, you know? So I want to have as many SAG credits as possible. Um, I've done a couple of like ultra low budget films, which doesn't push you into having to join SAG. Um, but do the, the ultra low budget films help you um, at all or they don't really help because they're not SAG? No, credits? they do. They do help. They are SAG. Ultra oh, low budget are? films are SAG. Oh, yeah, okay, they yes. are considered SAG films. Uh, okay. And the budget for an ultra low budget is still up to like $250,000, I right, think. Right. 200 or 250. Yep. So it's still very <laughs> exactly. significant. And you can yeah. make a great movie for that kind of money on the indie film circuit. That, that's the plan. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're working on. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to make a great movie for <laughs> somewhere between 100000 and $250,000, you know. Yeah. But, um, and then, so like once you're, once that OK 30 expires on that 31st day, you become a must join and that's where the must join comes in. So the only contingent about being a must join is saying that if you get offered one more SAG job, you have to pay your dues and get all of that taken care of before you step foot on set, because you can only work that next job as a SAG actor. You're a must join. It's interesting because so I was speaking to this this woman at the company that I'm working for on this this job, and she was saying I was like because I was concerned I was like because I had worked on something else for the past where actors were concerned about becoming must joins and mm -hmm. being like I don't want to be a must join like, right, right right I don't right. want to I don't want to have more than three um, Taff Hartley vouchers like you know I I can't do that whatever whatever. Um, and she was like, ah, oh, it doesn't really matter if they're must join or not. It doesn't really mean anything. Like they don't have, they, they can still just be must joins and not join. That's true. Yeah. You, I mean, I've been a must join for about like a year and a half, two years now. Okay. Um, <laughs> <So> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So Stranger Things is what pushed me into the must-join category. And so ever since then, I've just been kind of, you know, biding my time for my next, like, you know, big Hollywood opportunity. Um, I haven't, I haven't, I don't want to join on a background credit. Um, I don't actually even want to join on a commercial credit because that's not my ultimate goal. Um, so I've been a little bit more picky about, like, the type of work that I go out for. But anything that's, you know... SAG television or film. Yeah, I travel to LA for that because that's where the opportunities are mostly. Right. Um, I have a really nerdy question for you. Yeah. Um, what, what you were mentioning FICOR. What is FICOR? I don't even FICOR know what that means. FICOR stands for Financial Core. And that is a loophole in the SAG system, which allows you to work both union and non-union films. The caveat is you're technically not allowed to call yourself union because um, they don't want you having that union status. You lose a couple of the perks of being in the union. You can't, you're not eligible for the insurance. You don't get to vote um, for like, you know, the, the awards. You don't get the screeners. So a lot of the perks you don't get, but you can still work union jobs. So that is an option that a lot of people here in the Bay Area opt for because they know that the bulk of the work here is non-union so they want to continue acting but they don't want to um for whatever reason they don't want to move out of here right right but you're not interested in that because you have this this goal of like getting you know a certain amount of these sag credits under your belt and then like Busting into SAG with a vengeance <laughs> and uh, being able to take on the world and all these other actors and, you know, hold your own and all that. I, I think yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's the, the dream, you know. Sounds like a great dream. plan, really, you know, because <laughs> I think a lot of people would be like, I, I was on Stranger Things. SAG, motherfucker, you know, or whatever. And just like do it. And um, I think that that might not be the best idea, right? Because then it's like, oh, you had one role on one major show. But, right, but that's right. It, you know, like, what, how does that prove that you can compete with these guys that have had multiple roles on multiple popular shows? You know, like, yeah, just kind of, um, and it's easy to kind of lose sight of that here too, because, like I said, it's a small market, it's a small area, and you know, people people become, um, you know, known for for various things, not necessarily for being SAG, so. You know, if I if my goal is to eventually like, you know, I am eventually planning to move to L.A. Um, probably in the next year or two. And when that happens, I no. want to know, but I'm still going to be back and forth, guys. Like, you know, that's what you all say. You all, yeah, say, you that. all say that you all you say go that. to L.A. and then you just stay there. You just never uh, <laughs> like Ryan Coogler, he made fruit fail and he said he's going to come back and now look at him like we haven't seen him in what? years. Well, you know, it's tough. It's tough. I will admit it is tough. But I mean, it's just I think that's the business of it. You know, you got to go where the work is once you start right. getting offered the work. And, and there's just more work down there. There's just more work down there. You yeah. know, well, we no. should be fair, though, because we you know, we both know an actor who came down for, uh, you know, from L.A., she was here, she moved to LA, and then she came back to be in a project that Timothy directed and a project that I directed. So she's super cool. 
Um, so it does happen. You're not. It's not. It's not a closed door. No, not at all. <laughs> We're just giving you a hard time, John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I, I mean, I've got a couple of you know filmmaker circles that I love working with, and I'll tell you what. Like if I if I went down to LA and I had a break in my you know if I wasn't doing anything, I was just sitting on my thumbs, then I would definitely drive up and just film. You know. Because that's what we love to do. Let's be honest. Like the whole reason for moving to LA is because I want to get more work. Yeah, you, know? you want to make stuff. Exactly. I want to make. I want to make art. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I want to ask a financial question. Sure. And this is this will be all you to do it in a very vague way. If you were single, mm-hmm. would you be able to support yourself fully as an actor? I would have to. I would say at this point in time, yes. I would say the first year was really rough. Um, which goes for like, you know, moving to a new place, not knowing anyone, not having any real experience in this industry other than like a couple of, you know, cheap indie short films and background work. Um, getting situated, I think knowing a good network of people is very important here because a lot of my work at this point in time actually comes from referrals and word of mouth. Um, very few of the things are just like cold submissions. Okay. Um, how how do you how would you recommend somebody gets a start as an actor if they don't have a support system, um, you know like it sounds like it, it this kind of applies to all disciplines. We talked to some directors too that, that you know the the first year or so is really really hard to get your feet on the ground and the way that they did it was they worked a regular job and then just saved a bunch of money to support themselves for a year off of those savings. Um, do you have any other ideas for people out there? No, I mean, that's pretty much what I would have said and recommended. I mean, there's a reason why there's the cliche of like, um, you know, actors are, are servers, waiters and bartenders <laughs> right. because it's a flexible job. job. It doesn't it's a night job. It's a flexible job. You can swap shifts if you need a last minute time off Uber. Um, as much as I don't like talking about Uber now, like Lyft <laughs> um, is a really viable option for actors because you can literally like work as much as you want when you want. And if you get called in for a last minute audition, you just turn the app off and drive to your audition. Um, so I know a lot of actors are transitioning into that type of work, task rabbit, you know, these random like app based jobs, mm-hmm. um, which they're, and it's really popular in the Bay area. So yeah, totally. A, There's a, a ton of it. I know people who drive for like, you know, Amazon delivery, you know, uh, just yeah, right. Google driving, you know, just, yeah, there's tons of these odd jobs that, you know, we are fortunate to have here. Um, I think being prepared is definitely like of utmost importance. Um, kind of have a, have a safety, have a, not a safety plan, just like have a little pool of money saved up so that you're not suddenly like jumping into this industry that's really, really fickle and reliant on it because that's going to one stress you out, burn you out and make you kind of resent what you're doing. Um, and I think that's, you know, you don't want to do that. Have you done a job yet where you regret doing it? Um, or have you been pretty, pretty good at choosing the right projects? I've been pretty good about choosing my projects. Um, when I first moved here, uh, I didn't know how to screen for them as well. Um, you know, when we when we see castings as actors, we get a very vague breakdown. We sometimes we don't really we don't really know what the project is. Even you know, we get this like if it's a commercial, they'll be like, oh, it's a corporate commercial or it's a lifestyle commercial. Um, 
you don't get a whole lot of information about like who the who the client is if it's a big name or something for confidentiality reasons. And then even about the content of the um of the job other than this vague like girl next door or um you know mean boss or you know like aside from these little descriptions you don't really know what you're getting yourself into half the time. Well, so, how, how many times have you like, you know, gotten a role, been so excited to get it and then like show up on set and just be like, you know, three people with a camera? Has <laughs> that, that happened to you before? That's great. Um, I, I haven't had that experience. Luckily, I, I think I've canceled a few that were going to be that. <laughs> there's flags, you know, there's there's certain flags. Once you've done it a few times, you start to recognize like, you know, this needs to be done at this time. They're asking these questions. It's good. Like. Um, a call sheet goes out, like, you know, there, there's a certain, and if there is some, some, you know, risky content, like for example, for females, like nudity is a big thing, right? There's couch castings where I, okay. So here's one story. Here's one story that I, I canceled at the very last minute when I found out about it, I got an audition for a commercial where they were, they were talking about, um, like, um, a, a money, a financial company is I think how they put it like an internet financial company. And so the script that they gave me for an audition was like, you know, like four or five lines of, I'm so glad that I don't have to worry about my student loans anymore. Da, 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 da. And so I thought it was like a loan company, right. Or a banking company of some sort. And at the very end, like the day before I, I get this, you know, the final script and I get, you know, the, well, well, it wasn't even a call sheet. It was a, we'll see you at this location at this time. Um, here's a number. <laughs> if you have any problems. Okay. I've sent out emails like that before, you know, when you don't have time to make a call sheet. Sure. Quarter. No, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But it, right. it's just, it's, it's one flag, right, you know, one flag, if right. you have multiple flags, you start kind of going, Hmm. Right. So the final script that they sent me was very similar to it, but just slightly tweaked. And they had a website that they wanted me to say, you know, thanks to, you know, so-and-so.com. So I was like, all right, let me check out this website. Let me see what they're about. So I check out this website and it turns out to be a internet video hosting website that you can host videos and people will pay you money to see them. Mm. Oh, interpret that okay. as you may <laughs> right right that's amazing it can be used for many different things <laughs> yes interpret that as you may oh man and so that's crazy what they were doing was i keep in mind like i got the audition so they were actually coming they were like telling me to show up at this time for this thing to film it so they were gonna like have me film this like i'm wearing real clothes and everything i had no idea i was walking into this like type of site situation but if I had done it, I mean, who knows? I'd be on like the little sidebar of like your <laughs> downloading sites and stuff, you know, like meet singles in your area. Like, I don't know. I just, I felt like I dodged a bullet with that one. Yeah, um, that's good. Have you ever walked on set and then realized that there's a nude scene or after you got hired, there's a nude scene that they no, want you for? No, that's good. this never happened. They, all the professional, um, you know, professional crews that I've worked with, they've disclosed that at the very beginning. 
at the audition, right? At the audition, even before yeah. the audition. Yeah, before the audition. Yeah, That's what when you see the when you see the audition listed, they say note nudity required or sexual situations required mm-hmm. or, or must be okay with nudity or whatever. Exactly. You know. What, yeah. so, what's your stance on being nude on camera? My stance on that is it really depends on the project and it depends on the context. Um, I'm open to it. Yeah. It's, it doesn't, I'm not coming from like a conservative or a prudish position. Like if I was offered a, a naked role on game of Thrones, I am all for that. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I am all for that. Um, It's like a prerequisite for that show, man. I'm totally down. But if it's like, I don't know if it's, if it's, I hate, I hate saying like if it's an indie film, because there's a lot of great indie films too, but I have to get a good vibe of the professionalism of the crew. I have to have some sort of reassurance that they're making quality work and not just like guys with a camcorder in a backyard kind of thing. And then the role has to be a little bit, a little bit substantial. I don't want to just be like naked arm candy, you know? <laughs> exactly. Sitting, yeah, like sitting next naked. to the lead actor, like yeah. just naked. Just, na- just for no reason. Like, right. I, I There's just, plenty I, of girls that'll do that. Yeah. yeah, there's plenty of yeah. girls. Exactly. Like I turn down rap videos. I don't do that booty shaking stuff. Like it's just not my vibe, you know? Um, so if have I, you had to do it yet? I have. I've actually had three. Well, I've had three um, like sex scenes. <laughs> and then I, I've had one that was um, pretty, pretty, pretty close to nude. Yeah. And what's that like? It's not sexy at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's very like, if it's done correctly, if it's approached correctly, I should say, it's blocked out. It feels choreographed um, because you have to know like where the cameras are going to be. Um, also in all of the things, it was always tasteful and it was like strategic. So I guess it would be implied. I don't think you actually ever get to see anything. Um so, like, you'll see, like, my full back. You know I have nothing on. Right. But is that something, though, that you talk ahead of time? It's like, this is what I'm willing to show. This is not what I'm willing to do. And Correct, yeah. Know, we we, we, we kind of discuss our boundaries beforehand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if the director wants to see it all, then we might not be a good fit. But ultimately, like I said, it depends on the project, you know. Um, I just haven't had... You know, I haven't had Game of Thrones approach me yet, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's a very It'll delicate happen. situation, and I think it all comes down to being very clear from the mm-hmm. beginning of like what exactly. your expectations are. There's and nothing then, wrong, and there's you know, there's nothing wrong with how you decide to approach it. It's just as long as everyone is on the same page. Yeah. That's how you avoid issues. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I've I've uh the first movie I did, I I didn't even realize <laughs> of like about that there was going to be nudity involved because I just wasn't thinking about it, but there was like a shower scene, you know, and I was like, "Oh, how are we going to do this?" And then, you know, basically I had already picked my actor and, and you know, and had decided like who who I wanted to be in it and everything and you know, she, she was um I was like, "Okay, well, we have this shower scene. Like, what do you want to do?" And she was like, "I'm not comfortable being nude." I'm like, "Okay, okay, sure. So what are you comfortable with?" And then we just sort of like went from there and we just kind of we just made it look like she wasn't wearing underwear even though she was in the shower, you know? And it worked out really well. Um and then the guy was just like, "I don't I don't care." 
whatever he is Australian guy. He's like, I don't give a shit. Whatever you want, man. Whatever you want, mate. You know, I was like, okay, cool, sweet. Yeah. Um, I mean, they get really crafty and like, you know, um, hiding your nudity, I guess. You yeah. know, like giving you flesh colored bits and pieces to yeah. put on. And that's what we had. We had flesh colored yeah. underwear. And, mm-hmm. you know, we basically just kind of like shot right around it and it, and it didn't show mm-hmm. at all. I'm and just it's so, kind of, it's I'm comforting just... too, because as an actor, like when you do have these like, you know, flesh colored bits on, you actually, you know, nothing's going to end up on camera because if the camera does get it, they have to like reshoot it because you don't want a sticker, you know, right. <laughs> like, they're exactly. like, oh, we went too low. <laughs> yep. Right. Very that's, where, that's where you put like something on those underwear that it, like they really don't want it. Like mm-hmm. a sticker of a pineapple or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I'm just so fascinated by this because, like, as a director, I never have to worry about being nude on camera. So, you know, <laughs> it's just like it's, it's an interesting thing to me, like, to hear people talk about, like, whether they're willing to do it or not, like, you know, what roles they would be willing to do it on and, like, how it all works. Because it's just like, it's just not, not something that I ever have to think about. But if I did have to think about it, I mean, it would be like, I don't know what I would think about that. Like, that's, it's like, feels like such a personal, private thing. Everyone has to make their own decisions. Yeah, but like yeah. as an actor, um, in some ways, like you're because you're representing human existence. Like that's just part of human existence. And so, sure. You know sure. where do you draw the line, and like what are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable yeah, with? It's just definitely. It's pretty fascinating. I, I have a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. So, how did you get the Stranger Things? I'm sure a lot of if like an actor's listening to this, I'm sure they're really curious, like how you landed <laughs> that audition and how you landed that role. So, could you just talk us through that story? Yeah. So, Stranger Things films in Atlanta. And I had gone through efforts to get representation out there. Um, a couple years ago, when Atlanta, when the scene over there was just kind of blowing up, everyone was talking about, oh my God, they're filming so many things in Atlanta, you know, productions moving from California to Atlanta. And not just Atlanta, but like the entire Southeast. So like New Orleans had a ton of stuff going on, the Carolinas, um, all of Georgia, even Florida, like there's a lot of work out there. So I thought that it would be kind of cool to see what's out there. So I spent like five weeks um, just kind of airbnb it. I bought a one-way ticket, went out there, just kind of worked, um, did some background work, networked with people, talked to people, did a couple of workshops and classes, and got a good vibe of the scene. Um, and then when I approached representation, I was able to say, like, I've met with these people, I've worked on these projects, I've done this, um, I'm serious about coming out here and getting jobs and working and stuff. So I luckily was signed on with an agency out there. And then my agent sent me a video audition for Stranger Things. So the first round was actually off of um, Actors Access EcoCast. And so I, I, you know, did the taped audition, sent it off. Um, didn't hear from them for about, I want to say about a week. So I had assumed I didn't get it because... <laughs> we just assume that we don't get things. And um yeah, a week later he like messaged me back and he was like, Hey, they want you to do another audition and they want you to like also read for this role and which turned out to be uh, Mr. Clark's role. I guess they wanted to see like how I interpreted his role and like what the what the chemistry would be. Um so I did a second round of auditions and ended up landing the part and you know two weeks later i was in a plane to atlanta (laughs) wow that's awesome yeah um so are you still signed with that same agent out in atlanta i am yes oh that's Mm -hmm. awesome and have they gotten you other work since then um they've sent me other 
great auditions. Um, I've gotten close a few times. I've gotten callbacks and I've got, I was put on hold for one show, which really hurt when I didn't get it. Um, but you know, that's, it's a numbers game and that's just the way of it. Yeah. That's how it goes. I mean, yeah, I think everybody who's in this business, whether you're acting or directing, shooting, just being a crew member, whatever, like we all have those moments where it's like, oh yeah, we're on hold for this big job, or yeah. oh wow, we're 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 gonna get this big thing or whatever it is, mm -hmm. and then it doesn't happen. Oh, you know? it's so devastating. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and no matter how many times the person who you think is the decision maker or you think would know mm -hmm. the answer, they're like, oh, you got it, you got it, it's yours, no yeah. problem, and then yeah. it just doesn't happen. You're like, oh. Okay. Well, yeah. all right. No, my he agent's just, really good about tempering my expectations. He doesn't say, like, you've got it. He just says, okay, well, you've been put on hold. I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyways, yeah. I, I have a hard time watching those shows. <laughs> I get, like, oh, the ones that you didn't the get. The ones that I didn't get. Well, the ones, like, I mean, I don't mind watching shows I've auditioned for because we auditioned for so much, then I'd be like, I can't watch anything. But the shows where you get put on hold or, you know, like you're so close to it. There's like this part of me that's really curious, like who got it? Who beat me out for this role? Is this someone I know? Mm -hmm. Because for like for Asian actresses that work, you know, my the roles that I work, we audition for, we actually run into each other. <laughs> oh, yeah. I imagine. So yeah, we start to like recognize each other as, um, you know, it's friendly competition. And so I kind of get curious, like, oh, you know, oh, like I'll see on their social media. I'll be like, oh, you got that? Like good for you. I'm a little jealous, but good for you, you know? Yeah, I love that support. You all got to support each other, you know? Like yeah. if Timothy, whenever he gets a job or gets a directing opportunity, I'm always like, yeah, go, Timothy, mm -hmm, you got mm -hmm. it. Like, you know? But sometimes I mean, you, you say, but I'm a little jealous. But yeah. I mean, you have to be honest with like the humanity Privately. of yourself, right? <laughs> like you have to be honest. Like if I wasn't jealous a little bit, like I obviously I don't want it that much. <laughs> That's the way I think of it. Um, but yeah, there's there's some shows that I like I watch and I'm just like, oh man, I like I have a heart. It's like bittersweet watching it. I'm like, I was so close. This could have been me. <laughs> so are people still really casting just like Asian roles? You're not like just going into like a general casting for like a character. It's like you're the Asian character. Um, so for um, how do I answer this? It's changing. <laughs> it's changing. I can see the transition happening, and it's a That's wonderful good. thing to see. I get a lot of vague, um, we would prefer an ethnic role, but we're not phrasing it in that way, like assistant or teacher or mm. best friend. Best friend. You know, like I can see how they're trying to work that diversity quota in there. And I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I'm happy for those opportunities. Um, but there still are a very substantial number of roles that I get that I have a very specific, it's very specific. I want an Asian. I want her to look like this. I want her to have like long hair, short hair, glasses, no glasses, like dress mm. nerdy, fobby, or like normal. And then a lot of times I'll get like with an accent, broken English, uh, broken English, you know? So I do get a lot of those, um, auditions and do you do those? I, if it's, you know, it kind of like, it kind of like sells, I sell my soul a little bit every like, time yeah, I do this. Yeah. It sounds a little racist to me. But when you're starting out as an actor, you can't, it's hard to turn them down. You know what I mean? I'm not, I don't do it for like, I don't do it for small films, short films, indie films, but if it's like a network television show and they're like, this is a role we want, do you want it or not? You know? Um, yeah, I do it. 
Jackie, this it. is making me sad. I know it is. It is what it is. You know, um, what's what's his name? Cal Cal Penn from you know the, uh, yeah. yeah he he recently had this like amazing like tweet session <laughs> where he was like he found all these old scripts for his like these auditions he went out for um early early in his career kind of like where i am now mm-hmm. and he was talking about how like he would have to go in and he would have to fake an accent and a lot of times they would tell him like oh that's not Indian enough or the accent's not right. He's like, yeah. it's not right. It's like, you want a different Indian. <laughs> like, right. You want the cliche stereotypical like head bobbing, you know? And he says that a handful of times when he got more comfortable, he had a couple of, you know, uh, credits under his belt. He'd go into these auditions, still a nobody, but you know, he had some experience. He would say, you know, this is just a classmate. Like, can't there, can't their like classmate not have an accent? Is that so hard to expect for like an Indian guy to not have an accent? They're like, no, we want the accent. <laughs> Accents yeah. are fun. You know, and they're just like, all right, you know, got to do it. Like you're in a tough position early on. You can't really, you know. So do you have to do like different accents from different countries? Like do you have the Korean fresh off the boat accent and then the Japanese fresh <laughs> off the boat accent or people probably don't even know the difference. So, um, first off there's, I have a confession. I am really, really bad at doing Asian accents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're born in America, right? I'm so bad at them. I mean, it's like, I feel like I'm just offensive when I try and do an Asian accent, <laughs> like I'm like stereotypically making fun of like all of my people, you know? Uh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so I just feel really uncomfortable being in that situation. I'll do it. And if I don't get the part, I just think like, oh, it's probably for the best. But, um, but, you, but haven't, I find, you haven't done a lot of practice on this. Uh, I try not to. It's really funny. If I know I have one the next day, I'll literally walk around the house trying to talk like my mom for the entire day. <laughs> yeah. And my husband's just like, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? You sound so bad. <laughs> um, I notice more often, even though I'm Korean, um, I find a lot of times the accent they're looking for is that Vietnamese sort of accent. You know, like the nail salon sort of Vietnamese, like, oh yeah, you know, that kind of accent. So I, I get that request a lot because I'll try and do like a Korean accent and they'll be like, well, can you try and be more Asian? And I know what they're, I know what they mean. You know, I know oh what they mean. God. Yeah, <laughs> right. So funny. Um, oh man. So yeah, there, there's that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll say your Korean was pretty good from my memory when you did that audition in Korean. So, <laughs> but, I mean, that's obviously a different thing than putting on, um, you know, a stereotypical accent. Right, 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 right. Actually, speaking the language is different than trying to do an accent in English, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, Are yeah. you fluent in Korean? Um, I would say not fluent. I would say barely conversational. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I know like the intonations and like, I, I get the gist of it. Like I can understand it pretty fluently. It's just that because I don't have opportunities to speak it, I just feel really rusty. Right. Um, There's probably not a lot of Korean movies being shot in the United States. No. And I don't have any like Korean relatives that are close by that speak Korean with me. Everyone's like Americanized. My parents speak English, you know, like, um, you know, my sister, she doesn't even speak Korean. <laughs> she just knows like three words and they're all curse words. So, <laughs> yeah. um, 
so yeah, I just don't have the opportunity. Now, that's what I ran into too. Like most most of the Korean Americans that we brought in, like you know, either knew a tiny little bit or didn't really speak it at home, or maybe their grandma spoke it or something. You know, right? Yeah, my like, grandparents don't speak English. Like my grandma doesn't speak a word of English. She just bobs her head like <laughs> she understands you. Um, when I get these, when I get um, audition requests like that, or even roles for that matter, I have booked Korean roles before. Um, what I'll do is. If I have a script in Korean, then that's fine. I'll just like, you know, translate it into phonetics and <laughs> learn it that way. Um, a lot of times what happens is I'll get an English script and they'll ask me to translate it. So I send it to my mom and I have her read it um, or like send me a voice recording of her saying yeah. it. Mm. And that way I can practice based off of her voice recording. Because like I said, I, I understand like the intonations of the language um, and I, I have a pretty broad vocabulary with like basic conversational things. Um, I just sometimes need a little bit of help putting it together in the right order. <laughs> yeah. I have one last question about race. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this is like kind of like a discussion that we've had a few times on the podcast was like it, when you're casting different ethnicities into like a lead role, mm -hmm. I think all point of view is like, you can it's almost like you just write a character and then you can cast anybody you want into it but i mm -hmm. think there's something special when you like make that role about like the like specific personality of that individual like um is the movie called get out mm -hmm. yeah. yeah it's like get out wouldn't be as strong of a movie if it was just if it didn't have anything to do with race and i think that right. like you know part of it that makes it um, special is that it does have to do with like specifics of like people's backgrounds and stuff. So like, is the future of storytelling like about being very specific on individuals or really just kind of like being diverse and casting and like anybody can play any role and you don't, and you kind of just ignore, uh, people's historical backgrounds and where they came from. And it's just more about like kind of different types of faces mm -hmm. out there. That's a really tricky question. Um, <laughs> I think that it's, I think it depends on the project. You know, one of the things about Get Out is it was about race. So you can't cast the main actor as anything other than black. Even if it was like Latina or Asian, there's different connotations in how yeah, race is treated. The same. So, yeah, the story would not translate. The little nuances would not have translated. You know, that that movie was so fantastic in so many ways. Um, I mean, I could talk for like an hour about that movie alone. I think we all could. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, but then you have other, other, other examples where it was done really, really poorly, like mm -hmm. Ghost in the Shell, <laughs> yeah. which I can also talk about yeah. for like an hour. Um, the show was such a letdown. Oh my um, god, I I have a confession. I know there's like this Asian code where we were all supposed to boycott it, but I wanted to know exactly because like, I wanted to hate on it. <laughs> like, to be honest with you, I absolutely wanted to hate on this movie. So I was like, I want to make educated hates. So I wanted to see this movie. So the way that I like justified it to myself was I went on like the five dollar movie night. So I didn't really contribute that much to their box office. Um, so I went and saw Ghost in the Shell. It was so much worse than I expected it to be. <laughs> it was worse than I thought. I thought it was just going to be about like Scarlett Johansson's character. The entire movie was atrocious and like offensive. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's a whole other conversation yeah, too. Well, I mean, it's really interesting just the way that 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 the storyline of that movie mm-hmm. kind of even plays into like their fuck up in a way, you know. <laughs> and it's kind of like it's sort of insane that they did that, you know. It's They're like. Oh yeah, I, I can't say that without ruining the movie for anybody who wants to. Well, see let's ruin it because you know? I haven't seen it, but I, I heard something about like they they erase race, something well, like that. So I don't know. Basically, the um, uh, <laughs> so the main so character, bad. Scarlett Johansson's character, um, is a robot, right, or a cyborg? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But her, but she's actually um, an Asian woman, but like in a cyborg body. And then they made the cyborg body Scarlett Johansson. So it's like... But, and it's not just her. Um, there's like just other her. characters that it's are the cyborgs other character also. Too. It's They're the other all main, white. Yeah. And the other, then the other main villain is also white. And he's also an Asian in, in a white body <laughs> too. And then which like, is like, what yeah. the hell? And that's the big reveal of the movie. And you're like, what? <laughs> Are they, uh, are they are they like are they like making a making fun of 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 the the complaint or are they like like what's going on here like did, just, were they aware of what so they did bad and then yeah. there's like the main um the main Asian guy like the wise old like Asian guy speaking Japanese to everyone he only speaks in Japanese everyone only speaks English back to him yeah like. It doesn't even make any sense. Like you're in you're you're in Asia. Like yeah. <laughs> if that someone's speaking to you in one language, like why not respond back to them? You live there, right? That, that um, guy's such a cool actor. I, I was really glad he was in the movie, but yeah, that is annoying. That, it was um, really weird. It was just, like, and then, he was like, like in his own bubble and everybody yeah, else is just yeah. speaking English. <laughs> and then the scene where like um Scarlett Johansson, there's a scene where she goes to visit like her mother. Yeah, right, right. Her Asian mom, but she shows up in a white body, right? Right. And the Asian mom is just like, oh, yeah, come on in, have some tea. And you're like, no, my mom would never do that. All right. Yeah, it was like, oh, man. Gosh, you know, casting's so important. And why don't you just do it right? You know, casting's well, important. The story is important. Like, let's talk then, about another movie. And like, if they were to put diversity in the lead roles, like La La Land, for instance. Yeah. Right. Okay. You have two two white people playing those lead roles. Them being white probably doesn't really like play much into that story. But if you did put people of color into those roles, is it important then for the story to then talk about that? No, I or don't think so. Do you so. think then you just you just no? It, you do it the exact same way, and you just put. I think you do it the exact same way. It. it would make it would make Ryan Gosling's character make more sense because he's like this obsessed jazz person, and if he was black, it'd be like, <laughs> oh yeah, like because you know. What if he's Korean? It doesn't matter. Whatever. Does it change it? Could it? Be, it no, I what don't think so. What if they're lesbians? I don't think it... Personally, I don't think it changes anything. Like, I think it's fine to do whatever you want. Yeah, um, I don't think do it think, would Jackie? change... I don't think it would change the basis of the story at all. I don't think the plot would change. What I do think might change is I think it would open opportunity for more conversation or jokes or references um, like for example, if, if she was, if she was Asian, for example, mm-hmm. like if yeah. Emma Stone's character was Asian, the scene where she walks out of that audition and there's just a room full of like blonde <laughs> she, girls wearing yeah. the same outfit and she gets into the elevator and they're like taller and prettier and just like that feeling that you get, which I know really well. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, you could, you could keep it exactly the same and it would totally work. Or you could use that as an opportunity to enter like some sort of colored joke too. You know, like if I was there, something, I would probably say something along the lines of like, God, where'd you all come from? Like, shouldn't you all be doctors or something? Like what's going on? Like you could, you can introduce another joke too that touches upon it. I'm not saying like it should be ignored. You know, everything should be completely 100% colorblind. I actually don't like that term because I think it's inauthentic. Mm -hmm. um, one of the reasons that Get Out was so good was because it actually like full on confronted like some of the nuances, right? Yeah. yeah. And I feel like it doesn't have to change the plot. But if it's not addressed at all, I mean, it doesn't have to be, but it opens opportunities for it. Well, that's, I yeah. guess if what that I'm makes getting sense. at. Yeah, if you, if you completely ignore it. It's I like an elephant in the room that you're not addressing, right? Well, not always. I mean, I, that's why I'm con sometimes confused about it because it's like, okay, as like a, a white male writer, I think it's sometimes daunting to think about like writing for a different experience that I don't have. Like I could write about being married to a Japanese woman, which I am. And I could also write about being from like, like my grandparents were from Switzerland. I can write about that. Mm -hmm. But as soon as like I step into any other culture, I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to be racist. I don't want to like be cliched. So it gets a, it gets a little scary. Um, on but that front. Sure. But, but some, it just doesn't mean that you can't cast diversely. Just yeah. Because, but I know. feel like the best movies that have diversity in them are ones that talk about, talk but I don't about think the, it has to be authentic. that though. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. like I think in, in the, authenticity can become from the actor you know like you know and, and that's what i'm open to is like trying to you know craft the the character for the actor that i cast in in the role you know and then let them bring their own personality to it whether it it be their culture or not or whatever they want you know like let it be about them and not necessarily what color skin they are you know um or, or what background they have you know um, unless that unless they want to be that yeah you know i guess I, mean? I just fear that if you do it if you just purely do it that way your characters aren't going to be real human beings because you're ignoring a whole facet of who they are and well, their you're not, experience you're not ignoring it i mean but basically what i'm hearing from you when you're saying that is that like oh if it's not a a, a mexican character you can't cast a, a, a mexican actor in that role if it's not a you know what i mean like but I, which i'm like totally against that like i feel like it doesn't matter what the character is cast whoever you want in it that's like my opinion you know as long as it carries the story it stays true to the story characters are all supposed to support the story right right um, if you are doing a, we'll use that example. If you're doing like a Mexican cartel drug movie of some sort, I think it would make sense to cast, you know, mostly Mexican looking right. people, right? Cause it would take you out of the movie if, if the cartel was completely diverse, like sense <laughs> right? Yeah. But if, if I'm cast doing, yeah, but if I'm doing a movie about a guy who discovers a portal to another dimension and whatever whatever mm -hmm. and and there's no race behind it whatsoever then it's, yeah it's cast just freely then, then cast totally free exactly that's cast my freely, point yeah. that's my point and that's but like I, that's what a lot of these small roles especially for small roles um lead roles are great too but like for small roles like i said you know assistant or teacher like these things that i'm going out for they're casting that openly because they can it's an easy way to just add diversity you know Right. I guess I just don't want to like if I cast, let's say, an, an Asian actor in my lead role, like I don't want to suddenly like, like feel like I have to put in like a bunch of background of like, you know, 
of whatever of like making him an Asian character specifically. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I- unless that is what's true and authentic to the actor, and then they want to bring that in in their own personality, and that's like what's going to make the role seem truer to them. Then sure, like, and I that totally makes sense. But like, I don't feel like I I need to have to like, you know, it doesn't have to be like a typecast Asian character for me to cast an Asian actor in that role. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, it doesn't have to be typecast. And it could be as easy as offering an explanation, just like, oh, they're they're like born and raised here, you know? They're going right. to be totally not Asian. Right. Or, or here's, another, here's, <laughs> you know? here's, here's another example. Like, I'm, I'm writing a movie right now that has uh, three siblings in it, you know? And we were talking about, like, oh, well, you know, like, we want to cast diversely, but, like, how, how are we going to handle that? And then, you know, the, the team I'm working with, we just decided, like, Oh, well, we'll just have it be whatever we want. Like if, it, if it's one, one, uh, like an Asian woman, um, a white guy and then a, a black guy and they're all siblings, like we're fine with that. That's totally fine because they could be adopted. Like who knows the background, whatever. Like we're not going to limit ourselves on diversity based on them being siblings. Whereas I think some people might be like, oh, well, they have to be all the same background if you're going to have them be siblings because it doesn't make sense otherwise, which I just don't really agree with that. I think I think that's an individual like, creative choice of whoever's creating that project. Um, I lean towards, you know, do you remember that old Cinderella film that Brandy was in? Like, this is like 10, 15, maybe even 20 <laughs> I love years that you ago. just brought this up. No, I, I didn't realize Brandy did a Cinderella film. Yeah, Maybe. she was in this like, this was like, oh God, this is so long ago. I'm like totally dating myself. But Brandy played Cinderella. Um, the prince was an Asian guy. The siblings were like, I don't know, white and the whole thing was cast without any regard to race, which at the time was very progressive. Oh, yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I was also too young to really understand like the complexities of like race and all that stuff at the time. But I do remember thinking like, that doesn't make any sense, you know? Um, and I think that was some of the critics crit- critiques was like, it doesn't make sense in certain things. It's not because Cinderella is black. It's because like just all these other things. Um, yeah. I feel well, like if you are going to take that bold of an approach, um, cause people are going to get distracted by it. That's the thing, whether you like it or not, whether people want to admit it or not, we are not completely there yet as a society. And I feel like stuff like that will distract the audience and it will take them out of it. Not saying you shouldn't do it, be progressive, but I do think it needs to be addressed in some way. Um, you just reminded me of, have you guys seen this is us? Yes. No. (laughs) Um, it's, it's one of the most like emotional, like, Oh my God, every girl will tell you that they cry. But the premise of it is, um, God, I really don't want to ruin it. It's like so good. There's three okay. siblings. Don't ruin it because I haven't, I haven't seen it. So don't ruin it. Okay. I don't want. I don't want it to be ruined okay. for me. I'm saving all the, the listeners who haven't heard of it either. So. Okay. Anyways, <sighs> it's <laughs> so good. All right. Well, just the blanket vague statement is they deal with incorporating a lot of different race and not just race. We'll just say all sorts of diversity um, issues. All sorts of issues, just human issues. We'll say human issues. They deal with a lot of different human issues that everyone is dealing, that someone, some anyone watching that show will be able to relate to one of the characters in one way, shape, or form, but they address it. Yeah. 
I guess, you know, just going back to what Timothy was saying earlier about, um, like, Get Out and how that was, like, specific and, you know, like, race was such a big part of that movie. Like, I think those movies are great. And I think, you know, I want to see more of those movies. It's just that since being a white guy, like, I'm not necessarily the person to make that kind of movie. Yeah, we're not going to be able to write Get Out. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's, like, really, um, that awareness, I think, is really important, too. Right. Yeah. But then I guess the, the, the next leap is, okay, we, we are aware we're not going to be able to write that movie, but we're also very concerned about making sure that we get diversity into cinema. So how do we do it in the right way, given our experience um, without like for me, like I feel I don't I would rather address it in a way that's like um, honors that experience of that person's life rather than just making it a generic character. Because right. I think to me that's more and more interesting character is right. a character that does have a different So background. if you, I feel that as filmmakers, you know, on the behind the camera side of things, on the directing, the producing, the, you know, everything, writing side of things, if you acknowledge that this would make for a better product, a better video, a better film, a better story, better character... But you also acknowledge that you have your own limitations, that you wouldn't be able to fulfill it as good as it deserves to be. Broaden your, you know, broaden your, uh, your, your pre-production crew, you know, broaden your mm, um, good, yeah. staff, yeah, get, get you know, bring on yeah. people who would be able to tell you in an authentic way, like, mm, this isn't quite how I would do it. I would probably do it more like this. Um you know, because then you're expanding your horizons, right? You're bettering it for the project. You're you're also bringing in probably these people that are not represented in front of the camera. They're probably not represented behind the camera either. And you're giving them an opportunity to do their work. So, yeah, you know, I think point. building your team, I think, is the best solution for that. That's cool. Yeah, because like in my ideal world, it'd be like I write a script and then I would go find the best actor regardless of race. And mm-hmm. then from there, rewrite the script based on who they are. Yeah. You know, exactly. to like help yeah. like infuse it with that personality and like get the best of best out of it. Yeah, that's totally my, that's my plan. I mean, but that's my plan for everything. You know, it's just <laughs> like like try to, you know, write the best movie possible, find the cast and then rewrite it for that cast once we found them, you know, and uh, tailor, it, tailor it to their voices and let let them have input. That's I mean I'm not like the kind of Aaron Sorkin or whatever type of writer who's like every word must be said the way I wrote it, you know. Like I want to I want to make it a collaboration because that's what the fun the best part about filmmaking is is that we're all collaborating together on these things, you Yeah. Know? And I know we just spent like 20 minutes talking about race, but this conversation could have easily been about um sex too. Like it male and yeah. female too. Like I feel the same way. Like you have to at some point also address sex. And I think that's important. Like if you just completely ignore, um, you know, like if it's a man or a woman in your lead role and you just kind of cast like that generic character, I don't think it's as strong as if you like make it nuanced and like the female experience is different from the male experience. It just is. Yeah, totally. Well, we went way over, um, <laughs> way longer than we were supposed to. But yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Um, do we have any last questions for Jackie before we let her go? No, but I want to ask Jackie where people can find your work and get in touch with you. So I am all over the internet, social media. Uh, I have a website. It's JackieDallas.com. Pretty easy to find. I'm on Twitter at Jax Dallas, J-A-X-D-A-L-L-A-S. Uh, my 
Instagram handle is exactly the same at Jack's Dallas on Facebook. Um, I go by Jackie Dallas and then I have an actor page, which is, you know, facebook.com slash Jackie Dallas actress. Mm, I think that's it. All right. Do you have a crowdfunding campaign going on right now? So I do. I have a, I have a project that I'm producing. I've got my first film that I'm producing, which I'm really excited about. It's called look into the fire. Um, and that has a website also, which is look into the fire movie.com. Um, so we're, we're in pre-production for that right now. And we're working on raising some funds. We've got a couple of investors on board for the big chunk of the budget, but we do have a Indiegogo campaign that's going on right now also, um, which is look into the fire movie, look into the fire movie. So yeah, cool. so that's well, my crowdsourcing. And I think I have a link to it on my actual website, JackieDallas.com, because I'm always talking about whatever projects I'm involved in at the time. Awesome. Well, if people go to makingmoviesishard.com and click on this episode, we'll include links to all that stuff so they can find it. Well, thanks for coming on and congratulations on all the success you've had in the past yeah. few years. Thank it's you. really Thank great. Thank you so much. Totally. Yeah, We're excited to see to what here. happens. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. Um, as I said before, check out our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you can find links to all the things we talked about in this episode. You can also subscribe to the show notes. So every Monday morning when the episode goes live, you'll get an email with the show notes in them. So you don't even have to search for them on the internet, and it'll be a nice little reminder that the episode's up. Uh, find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast or send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. And if you like this show, help us get the word out by telling a friend or leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And that's it. That's the show for the week. Thanks, Ulrich, and thanks, Jackie. That was fun. It was fun. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.